Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. You guys good? You guys have a great Easter weekend last weekend? That was so much fun. So if you were here, we had a blast. If you were somewhere else, I hope you had a blast and raise the roof wherever you were. But uh, we're going to continue uh, on in uh, diving into God's Word. So we're going to step into a new book today, the book of Joshua. And here's my hope, is that over the next five or six weeks, we would see these pivotal scenes in the, in the book of Joshua and that God would really train us how to live a victorious Christian life. If you're a follower of Jesus, God wants you to be living a victorious Christian life. And I've met so many uh, believers that, that don't anticipate that for their life, uh, that don't anticipate God doing great things through their life. And I pray that God would open up your eyes to see what God could possibly do through your life as we go through the life of Joshua. Now, Joshua is in the Old Testament uh, many hundred years before Jesus came. And so you're like, well, how is Joshua going to give us insight into how to live uh, a Christian life following Jesus who came many years after him? And so um, just uh, this today is a little bit of an intro. We're going to dive in a little bit to the first portion of the first chapter of uh, Joshua. But uh, I, th- we're just going to kind of set this up today. So if you can kind of bear with me, I just want to put Joshua in context and, um, and also kind of give us some insight into how do we, actually, how do we read the Old Testament? Uh, because it's a little bit different than the New Testament. Uh, they're two different Testaments. Did you know that? <laughs> Never. You got seeing if you're awake this morning, everybody. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I'm really excited, as you can see. Um, but yeah, so we're going to put this in context, not only the, this book historically, but how it can speak to us today. Because um, see, in the Old the Old Testament is actually the scriptures that Jesus, his disciples, and the early church used as their scriptures. It's what they read from. It's when they got together in the, in the early church and uh, the, in the first century, this is the scriptures that they would be dialoguing over and, and reading through, seeing how Jesus is on almost every page the Old Testament. It says in Luke 24, this is after Jesus is resurrected, and he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses. Wait, wait, wait. That That was like a hundred years ago. What do you mean Jesus in the law of Moses? That's what we're going to get to understand. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then, it says, he opened their mind to understand the Scriptures. To understand the Old Testament. Jesus opened up their understanding to see how Jesus is on almost every page. And there's this little phrase. It says, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So whenever you dive into the Old Testament, 
It's really important to see that, that uh, God was very intentional. Actually, when you really get into it, almost like micromanaging, super intentional, of how he led the nation of Israel to mirror a spiritual life following Christ. Now, how does that make sense? What do I mean by that? Well, uh, and Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. What does that mean? It means that God used His people to demonstrate what it's like to be a follower of His Son in the New Testament. So just take, for instance, we're going to dive into Joshua. Leading up to this, you have Moses. You have Moses, who is a great deliverer of the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He leads them out of slavery. He leads them through the Red Sea, and he leads them to the promised land. In the same way, is that not the story of almost every follower of Christ? That we were enslaved, that we're our allegiance to a different kingdom. We meet a deliverer, Jesus. He leads us out of slavery through the Red Sea of baptism and into the promised land of God's kingdom. Now, if we can see how God intentionally led the people of Israel then we're going to see, and I think we're going to gain a lot of insight into how God has called us to live a victorious Christian life, looking through the life of Joshua. So, um, there are themes and stories that historically happened to the nation of Israel that speak to and illuminate our own walk with Christ. So that's, I'm just going to pray before we kind of dive in. Uh, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open up our understanding to this book of Joshua, to this, um, this person that you used to bring the nation of Israel into the promised land. And God, in the same way, God, you're leading us into the promised land of your kingdom. And God, I pray that you would teach us how to thrive in your kingdom, how to wage war against what comes at us, and Father, that you would lead us into living a victorious Christian life. God, that that's the destiny and purpose that you have for us, but God, you're asking us to not fear, but to lean into you for your guidance and direction into this. So Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes to the scriptures today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I used this Moses in Egypt, and, but I want to I do a little, it's a little chunky today, so just bear with me. Um, I've had a little emotional week, but uh, my, my dad's ready to go meet Jesus, so I've been, uh, I've been a little emotional today, so if I do get emotional, that's why. Um, so we have Moses, the great deliverer. God promised them a land that he would gift them, but he failed to enter Moses, even though God used him, he showed up at the burning bush. He asks Moses to uh, let my people go, to go to see Pharaoh. And there's a lot of signs and wonders. And Moses is leading out, uh, and historians say, almost 1.2 million people out of Egypt through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. And what, ha- what, le- what becomes an 11-day journey, 11-day journey, 
It takes from Egypt to get to the promised land, the border of the promised land. They had to cross the River Jordan, which is another thing about the Holy Spirit. But anyway, so, so he leads them up, but everybody's kind of scared because there's enemies still in the promised land. It wasn't just like a blank slate. They were just like, oh man, look at this open field. We get to kind of run and frolic and, and kind of claim the land. There were enemies in the land, and, there was, and so uh, people began to be afraid. And so they said, all right, even though God promised that if you go into the land, that I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That was the promise that he gave to Moses. But irregardless of God's promise and God's command to go into the promised land, uh, a lot of people began to be afraid. And so they come up with this ingenious plan to kind of a little workaround. Why don't we send out spies that'll go into the land and check it out first before we really commit all our 1.2 million into the land? So they thought that was a good idea. So they sent out 12 uh, spies, uh, one, that one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they go, into the they go into the promised land, they sneak around, they get some information, they get some of the goods from the promised land, they bring it back, and they're like, oh man, this is a place filled with milk and honey, the fruit's large, but so are the people, and so is our enemy. And 10 of them came back and said, there is no way we are going to win. The people are huge, and um, uh, they said that we, if I can remember this right, it says, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes, meaning that they could stomp on us, but it was almost, it was self-revealing that they saw themselves as grasshoppers, not who God said that they were. But there was two people, Joshua and Caleb, who said, no, no, no. God said that he's going to be with us. Irregardless of what this looks like, irregardless of the circumstances, God said to go into the land, he's going to be with us. So who do you think won out? The voices of the ten and fear began to spread all throughout. And they're like, no way, we're not going in. And they turned their backs on the promised land. So what became an 11-day journey ended up being a 40-year wilderness wandering. And it was in this kind of disobedience that God says, you know, you failed, Moses. You failed to lead the people in. And so... Uh, so much that they turned and they wouldn't go to the promised land even though God said he would be with them. And because of that consuming fear, it became a 40-year meandering. They became worshipers to wanderers, all because they did not believe what God had said. They couldn't trust him at his word. Hmm. But that generation is dead and a younger generation has risen Moses leads them to the plains of, the plains of Moab, looking at, so after about 40 years, and after about one point, it says, it says that this generation passed away and there was a new generation that was risen up. And uh, he leads them back to the River Jordan. And it's this beautiful scene. They're, they're looking across the Jordan River and they can see this nearby town of Jericho, and then there's this mountain range, and behind that, still to this day, you can see Jerusalem from where they were standing. And he led them there, and then it says, Moses went up to Mount Nebo nearby and passed away. 
And so the great deliverer of Israel, signs, wonders, wisdom, leadership, the most famous person around, is now dead. And Joshua, in Hebrew it's Yeshua, it happens to be the same name of Jesus. Joshua was Moses' servant or assistant, and you think, well, he's just a guy that was maybe Moses' right-hand guy, but it wasn't just a servant or a valet. He was also the leader of Israel's emerging army. And he was the general of Israel's emerging army. And the baton of leadership is passed to Joshua. So God brought them out of slavery to bring them in to the promised land. God brings you out to take you somewhere. God does not want you to spend any more time in the wilderness. Ever felt like you've been in the wilderness? Wandering, meandering, relying on God. But God wants to lead you in to the promised land of His kingdom in Christ. And He wants you to be in the land of victory and promise. And so the nation of Israel right now, from Joshua 1, they're in a massive transition. They're coming out of one thing, not just slavery, but they're coming out of the wilderness. They're coming out of this place that they've been wandering for 40 years. And so as we survey this book, I want you to think of the analogy between the land of Canaan, which is where they're going into, and the land of full salvation, which is the portion of every believer in Yeshua Yamashiach, the kingdom of God. And I believe if your ears and heart are open, God is going to lead and guide you in this season like never before. And as you'll see, God always finishes what He starts. Isn't that good? What we'll see in Joshua is that God finishes what He starts. And in the same way, in your own life, God finishes what He starts. So let's dive in. Joshua 1. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Which couldn't be very encouraging. (laughs) When the greatest person you knew on the planet is dead and God says, hey, you know the commission that I gave uh, Moses to take the people into the promised land? Yeah, well, he didn't make it and I'm giving this commission to you. Moses couldn't get the people into the promised land when God was with him. So I don't know how encouraging this word is to Joshua. It says, Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness... And this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward going down the, toward the, wow. Wow. All right, this is God's word. I'm going to read it straight. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land 
that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now it's Moses's, or, uh, Joshua's time to step up. Moses is now dead. Joshua has to step up. He was in the shadows for 40 years in the wilderness. Now it's his time to take this baton and lead the people in something that they had never done before. Do you ever try to do something that you've never done before? How much of the fear of the unknown would captivate us, right? Like, I, I get numerous examples. Fear of the unknown. Well, I don't know what it's going to look like. Well, I need to kind of know. And you can kind of see that's what the nation of Israel did before. Well, we need to kind of know. We need some guarantees. We need like full security before I re- we really step into this place. We need some guarantees, God. But God doesn't give it. He's like, will you trust me at my word? Just as God was with Moses, he was with Joshua. But it's like, but he failed. But he failed. <laughs> like, you're with me in the same way. Could you imagine? That wasn't necessarily a guarantee, like confidence booster for Joshua. All he had to do was trust God and through his leading and direction, possess the land and secure it for his people. But again, I I think that because of what we'll see is God's repetition of being strong and courageous is because through the reading through the lines, we could probably imagine Joshua being very afraid. God, what's this going to look like? God, I've never done this before. I've never led all this mass people in. We've never fought a battle. I mean, we've just come out of slavery. We don't know how to, like, fight. We've been wandering in the wilderness, just kind of, like, surviving. We don't really know what we're doing. We've never been trained. We don't really have military tactics. We don't really... It's like we're walking into almost like a death sentence even though God says this is the promised land. Fear is contagious. What's interesting, the phrase do not fear shows up 365 times in the Bible. You're saying what? Yeah, 365 times, one for every day of your life. Do not fear. Do not be afraid because God knows our heart. When he's trying to lead us into something new, it's very easy for us to be afraid. We're afraid of what we're losing. We're afraid that it's going to be met with a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort and a feeling of loss. That's what happens when, when, when God is leading us into somewhat, something new. A lot of times it's easy for our heart to be afraid because we think, well, we're going to lose something. But what we don't know and don't, what we don't understand is that Where God is leading us, it's actually much better. Yes, there's change, but that change is going to bring you into a place that you've never known before and really a place that your heart has been longing to be in. So God had not used Joshua yet as he did Moses. He didn't have a history of stories like they had with Moses. And I'm sure succumbing to the fear of the unknown was a huge temptation in the heart of Joshua. Has the fear of the unknown as to what God may possibly do in your life kept you from entering further into the plans of God for your life? All Joshua needed was God's promise that he would be with him. He reacted the same way he did 40 years prior. If God said it, we're going to do it. I don't understand how this is going to happen, but I trust that what God's word says is true. 
All Joshua needed was God's promise that he would be with him. In the same way, full blessing of the Christian life is only given to those who step up, those who actually are eager and hungry to press in to receive what God has for them. Verse 7, it says, Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous then you will have good success. A couple of years ago, USA Today came out with an article, What Would Happen to You If You Didn't Brush Your Teeth for a Year? Woo-hoo! Interesting article. It's nothing good, let me tell you. Uh, which you just think, like, you'd think somebody, may, they had to do it as an experiment, because it's like, but, I, you know, I've seen a set of choppers that might compete. But, um, but it, 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 it's interesting. It leads to gum disease, of course, loss of teeth. But it also leads to respiratory diseases and rest in your lungs. And it increases heart disease, increases stroke. So, great thing to do every, every day. My dad was a dentist, you know, twice a day. I rebelled and just did once. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, neglect, yeah, I know. Neglecting something as simple as brushing your teeth can create havoc on your system. And the children of Israel neglected the most basic exercise of trusting God and His promise. They didn't trust Him. They neglected this. And He's reminding them, as you go into the promised land, I'm telling you, meditate on my word. Have your word on your lips so that you can make your way prosperous. And he, so I, I just wanted to... He, he kind of lays out three little keys here. It says, The law of God shall be in your mouth. He's telling them, when you go into this promised land to Joshua, I want the word of God to be on your mouth. There's an assault weapon in between your teeth. And it says, you shall meditate on it day and night. That word meditate means to utter, to muse, to ponder, to declare, or to sing over yourself. Meditate. And God is not saying, you know, when we think that word meditate, maybe maybe you come from uh, an Eastern tradition or maybe a a New Age tradition where this idea of meditating is maybe kind of going off and just kind of, you know, omen to yourself in the corner, like, oh, you know, just kind of like emptying your brain, emptying your th- mind of any thoughts, and just kind of clearing air. That's not what this word meditate means. It actually, and, and, and I've, it's fine, you know, some people's mind are so open, their brain falls out, where it's like, no, 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 it means filling your mind with God's word. It's filling your mind with what he said. And he's encouraging Joshua It's about filling his mind and talking to yourself about what God said about him, what God's promise was to him. How many of you know we're really forgetful people? 
Joshua would take what God said about him. Man, you're going to go into the land, and I'm going to give the people the land. I'm going to be with you. That's what God said, that God's going to be with me. Every place that my foot tread is mine. That's what God said. I would take, he would take these words as an example, these words that the Lord gave him, and he would talk to himself about them. I've got three boys. One of my boys has tremendously negative self-talk. And it's a culmination of a lot of different things, a lot of things that we've tried to encourage and just say, no, that's not who you are, this is who you are. No, 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 that's not, you know, you're, you're this, not that. You're this, not that. You're this, not that. And it's interesting of how powerful self-talk can be in your life. And by no means trying to get all, you know, psychoanalytical, but it is very important of what you're declaring in your imagination and on your heart and over your life. He would use his tongue. Joshua would use his tongue to remind himself what God says. You know, there's this song, might be familiar with it, Mountains High, Valley Low. I sing out and remind my soul I am yours. That's what a lot of times worship is. It's declaring over our lives a reminder. This is what you said, God. This is what you said. Even though the circumstances look bleak, even though it doesn't even seem like it's going to happen, God, this is what you are, have declared over my life. This is what you've called me to do. And then it says, be careful to do all that you're talking about and meditating on. So the law of God shall be in your mouth. You shall meditate it on it day and night to be careful to do all that you are talking about and meditating on. So I just wanted, let's just, let's just kind of say this together. The book of the law. Okay, we'll try that again. The, all together. The book of the law shall not depart from my mouth. But I shall meditate on it day and night so that I may be careful to do according all that is written in it. For then I will make my way prosperous and then I will have good success. You know, it's interesting the way the Lord phrases that. Because it's a little counterintuitive when he says, then you will make your way prosperous. It's like, no, wait, God, you know, God makes my way prosperous. But how many of you have that kind of thought, no, wait, God makes my way prosperous, which is true. But in this, in this context, that's not what he's saying. People that have said, well, God will make my way prosperous, but yet still live a defeated life. And it's like, oh wait, God, you're going to make my way prosperous. No, if, if we actually look at what God's word is saying here, he's saying if you meditate on his word, declare his word, sing his word over you, it's that, and you shall meditate on it day and night, be careful to do, not just think, but to flesh it out, then you will make your way prosperous. It's interesting. Verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you? This is the last verse. 
We'll wrap it up. It says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm so excited about this series that God would lead our heart as He leads Joshua into the promised land. And that like the people of Israel, God's chosen people, you may be in transition. Like many of you in a handful of ways, I believe that this is what God's word is to us. That God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be frightened. Don't let the fear of the unknown keep you from entering into the land that God has for you. The land in the spirit. The land in your life. Territory in your world. And like we will continually see, it's time not only for Joshua to step up, but I believe it's time for us to step up as well. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that your word is so illuminating to our life. God, that we could see Jesus. And I pray that we would be able to see Jesus through the life of Joshua, who Joshua's name means deliverer. His name was Yeshua. And Father, in the same way, your own son, Yeshua, the Messiah. God, I pray that through this next few weeks, God, that you would take the roof off of what, uh, God, we could expect from our life. God, that you would deal with fear. God, that you would deal with hesitancy on our part. God, we know that we're hesitant and fearful people. God, we know that we're broken. But Lord, we are leaning into you knowing that because of the cross of Christ, because of how Jesus enabled us to live in this upside-down, brand-new kingdom, God, I pray that you would lead us to walk in victory, walk in boldness, that we would be strong and of courage, that we would be people of strength and courage and confidence in your word. Father, I pray that even this week, God, that you would help us meditate on your word, that, God, your word would be on our mouth, and, God, we would even declare it, not just in our imagination, but, God, out loud, God, this is who you say I am. God, this is what you said I'm called to do. God, this is the, these are the promises you've declared over my life. God, I pray that you would train us. God, that you would help us step up into the call of God for our life. Lord, we thank you. God, be with us, and we love you. Amen. 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 Well, with that, oh, that was good. That was pretty good. That was all the Lord. Uh, his word's so beautiful. And I hope that, um, hope that through this series that God even would open up your eyes to the Old Testament. That, um, you know, really our value of the Old Testament is how much God has opened our eyes to see Christ uh, through the Scriptures, through the Scriptures that Jesus used. So uh, with that, have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, 
please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.